Tschüss. Hello and welcome to Aerial Evolution. I'm Jane Rose. And I'm Rowan Metzner. With us today is Chantal McCormick, founder of Fidget Feet Aerial Dance and Festival in Ireland. We had such a lovely conversation with so much to discuss. Why waste time with a lengthy intro? We were super excited to talk to Chantal and grateful that we have things like Zoom to make it possible, but gotta say, internet connections aren't always so magical. There are a couple of moments where the connection gets really rough. Please bear with us, it doesn't last very long. If you like what you hear and want to join in the discussion, you can find us on Instagram or Facebook at Aerial Evolution Pod. We would love to hear from you. If you would like more information on what was discussed, make sure to check out the links in the show notes. With that, let's just dive right in. Hello. Hi. Hi. How's it going? Good. Uh, thank you so much for jumping on with us. Nice to, to meet you in, the, in our virtual reality. <laughs> what area are you in of, uh, of Ireland? Um, it's called Le Hinch in County Clare. I'm only very vaguely familiar with different areas. How did you get started with Ariel? Uh, well, I trained as a dancer first. And then um, I trained in London the last year or so of my um, dance training at the London School of Contemporary Dance. And at that time, um, there was circus space had just kind of started. So um, there was like a girl that was doing classes there. And then I think I met someone that did stilt walking. So I tried stilt walking and, you know, there was a lot of club work happening in London. Hmm. So we would nightclubs and festivals and do a little bit of aerial and then um, when I graduated from dance college I got a job with um, Scarabaeus Theatre which uh, was a stilt walking aerial company that just started to explore vertical dance as well so that was like my first proper job from graduating from dance school and and that's then when aerial just took off and um, because I had regular work and started to learn so much and and then I just loved mixing the dance with the aerial. And because I was in London, I was really lucky because circus space was there. So you could become a member and just go and train. And it was mm. the real early, early days. So the term aerial dance didn't even exist then. Around what time was it? Like what and year? I graduated, hold on, because it was 20, I think it was, tw yeah, 22 years, 22 years ago. Yeah. Mm. And what kind of dance were you doing? Just all different types? Uh, contemporary dance. So it was the London School of Contemporary Dance. Yeah, that's like what I really loved. So, uh -huh. and, a, and a lot of contact dance. And um, contact dance is a fantastic dance technique that really has served me as an aerialist and, and exploring aerial dance because contact dance is all about tuning in with your partner and finding that kind of communication together and moving together, which will then get you in the air. Mm. So it's like when I started to explore, you know, oh, I'm doing all this circus stuff, but I really miss my dance. And then when I would be dancing, I'd be like, oh God, I'm so bored. I miss my aerial. So when we started to like explore, it was like, okay, what if, you know, the aerial apparatus is actually my contact dance partner and how can I dance with my partner and spin? And so 
I think um, unknown to myself, but contact dance was one of the the best uh, training that I got as a dancer. Oh, interesting. Yeah, I, yeah. I love that. And I've, I've heard other uh, aerialists sort of refer to their apparatus as, as partners. Um, mm -hmm. yeah. And it totally makes sense. Just curious, do you feel like one apparatus is a more challenging partner than another? Yeah. And I think the thing is, is, you know, it's like aerial dance is still like new and it's like for aerial dance to, to get the same recognition in a way in a contemporary, in a contemporary circus world, because a lot of the times there's always this kind of feeling that um, high skill con contemporary circus, and then you've got aerial dance and that's not really highly skilled, but I just feel that to be an amazing aerial dancer, you have to be an extraordinary technician so that any apparatus, you have the vocabulary on the apparatus that frees you up to then make creative choices, choreographical choices, emotional choices, that then allows you to kind of take the spirit of a dancer into the air. Um, but I know that um, when people are starting, it's really easy to help them in harnesses or cocoons, like slings, mm. um, trapezes, because then they can rest. And then it's much harder with hoops and um and definitely verticals like with fabric and with rope like you really have to have a good skill level before you can really start exploring the aerial dance side of things on ropes and fabrics and uh and on hoops yeah yeah when you said you need a strong sort of technical foundation what are your thoughts on standardization for me now at the moment i I do less teaching technique and um, I kind of hire people <laughs> to teach technique for me and I, I teach more the creative side of things and get more into the choreography and the direction and the mentorship of like what what I'm interested in doing is taking the human being um, and you know facing the gremlins that's blocking them to be the creative person that they can and use their body just you know have the technique and have all of that as tools but actually inside in their hearts of like what is speaking to them and how can they be creative and what's blocking them and 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 have that journey so that's what excites me mm. so um so I'm kind of not really as part of all you know like the dancers I work with and the aerialists I work with I wouldn't even call the moves to them or whatever I'm always like pulling the emotion and the movement and you know, what it's saying. And I want to see you. I want to see your soul. I want, you know, because anyone can go to class and learn a hundred moves, mm -hmm. but no one can be, you know, like no one else can be Chantel. Right. I am uniquely different to every other human being. And that's what makes it exciting when you see an aerialist or a dancer or anyone moving on stage. It's like when you really see and feel that individual, not the kind of, oh, now they're doing a skin in the cat. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Hmm. Interesting. As you were sort of digging into all of this, are there aspects of aerial history? Because that's, you know, one of the primary focuses of the, the conversations that we're hoping to have with people is getting a sense of how they 
fit into the sort of the lineage of Ariel and the different sort of outlets of it, but then also trying to sort of piece together their understanding of the history larger than them. Yeah. So as you were starting to dig in stuff and as you've, you know, formed the festival and continued to work with students, what is your understanding of the evolution of Ariel? Um, mm -hmm. I think it's really interesting that you mentioned contemporary circus and, and differentiate that from Ariel dance. And I'm very curious. Yeah to sort of understand that point. So I think, like, as I said, it was like the, uh, the ninth, like 22 years ago, which was what, 19, 1997, 98, yeah. yeah. Uh, so it was like the term aerial dance wasn't around, but I seen this um, dancer called Lindsay Butcher, who's now a really close friend of mine's. And um, she did a fabric piece and I really, and she was a dancer as well. And I really was like, wow, she moves totally different. Cause in those days, there wasn't any internet, there was no Instagram, there was nothing like that. So you could only see what you could see. And so I remember seeing her and going, wow, I want to do that. And then finding my own frustrations of training as a circus artist and doing tricks but and missing my dance. And then I met a, another dancer called Tina Carter, who was the first person I met that actually used the term aerial dance or something like this and how she was teaching her workshop was very different so then I was like okay there is something else out here and then I was doing a lot of harness work a lot of counterweight like counterbalance with a, a rigger um side pick so then that really allowed me to dance on the floor and fly in the air but you know I was still making work and going back home to Ireland and bringing work but you know there wasn't that term so then it was really important for me to go to the aerial dance festival in Colorado that Nancy ran. So it was like a way of going, okay, what is this? Cause they called themselves an aerial dance festival. So it was really interesting to get the American um, uh, his dance history, which was very much Terry Sa uh, Sangrit, isn't it? And, uh, and so it was really nice to go there and go, okay, it is a thing, but also what we're doing back in London and Ireland is a thing too. So it was like, and then there was amazing because I met Fred Deb from France and I met Sarah Poole, who now is in uh, Montreal as an aerial dancer and also met the twins, Elsie and Serenity and another girl. So it was kind of like festivals are amazing because as a young artist, I was able to go, okay, so there is a term and it's called aerial dance and I feel that I belong to this. And then I met some really key artists that inspired me or that, that I then would work with for many years afterwards. And so when I returned to home, I was like, Ireland really deserves a piece of this. Like, if I'm going to make the work that I need to make, then I need Irish-based aerial dancers. And the only way to do that is to run a festival so I can bring badass international teachers over and like grow the community that way. Then uh, in the last three years, uh, Fidget Feet was part of a Creative Europe project that worked with um, vertical dance companies. And it's been really interesting because some of them have done PhDs and Va Vanda, who runs a vertical dance company in Italy, has written the history of vertical dance. So we would have these interesting conversations and I'd be like, yeah, you know, because at the festival, we didn't even call it vertical dance. We called it wall running because oh. that's what you did you just ran in the feckin wall and did your wee leap so but it's hilarious because we got together and then questioning all these terminologies because I was like well everything's aerial dance and Vanda and Kate would be like no vertical dance and aerial dance are separate and I was like no aerial dance is the you know the umbrella for everything because as a company we were doing harness work and 
uh, using circus apparatuses and I called it all aerial dance. So then through this Creative Europe project, we kind of came to the agreement of like, okay, from now on at the festival, we're going to call it vertical dance, not wall running. And we've written the different skill sets, you know, beginners, improvers, intermediate, you know, and all that you're supposed to have for vertical dance to try and make it easier to teach. And so now what I kind of feel is that aerial art is the umbrella that vertical dance and aerial dance kind of live under because I run a creation center as well. And so it was really hard to figure out what do I call the creation center? So we call it the Irish Aerial Creation Center, the national home for aerial arts. And so when we wrote our strategic five-year plan, I kind of had to write down the terms because people that are going to be reading it, you know, they don't care if it's contemporary circus, aerial dance, vertical dance, whatever you know, they're about giving us money or not. Whereas for me, it's really important to figure out where I feel the terms are. Mm -hmm. So that's when I, I kind of wrote in a way, yeah, like that aerial dance really came from Terry in, in the USA and also the, the dancer from New York, contemporary dancer, my brain's gone now, that did the walking down the wall and vertical dance history kind of came from her and then this French company that uh, rigged a bathroom in the side of a cliff and did like this crazy vertical dance piece. And then, yeah, so it's, it's kind of like an interesting concept of to where we feel we sit. Mm -hmm. And then on top of all of that, you have contemporary circus. So, you know, I think for me, like contemporary circus and aerial circus in a lot of ways is kind of the same. Like it's becoming more and more blurred. But I think with aerial dance, it's still very much having that idea of contemporary dance and taking that into the air. Um, it's interesting. I was just talking to two aerialists, you know, who's thinking of starting an aerial contemporary circus and of a really, really high standard. So they're excited to bring more that idea of what aerial dance is and see if there's an aerial community and a dance community in, in Canada and Montreal that would be interested in that. So they're interested in more the harness work, which we would call vertical dance. So I think you could be talking about it for like hours and <laughs> nobody really knows. But I think for me as an artist, I identify myself as a, an aerial dance company, but also a spectacle company because we do a lot of work from cranes. Mm -hmm. um, but I've always felt like it's important for me to be seen, you know, fidget feet, aerial dance theatre. Because when I started in Ireland, they didn't even know what contemporary circus was, never mind aerial dance. So, so that's why I thought for Fidget Feet, you know, it's like we're mixing dance, theater, aerial in a mishmash way, and we're Fidget Feet. So give us money. <laughs> <laughs> uh, speaking of money, I know that through Lydia, she has told me a lot about the government funding that you have there, yeah. which is completely yeah. different from the US. Um, we had yeah. no money. Uh, so can you tell us some about that? And like, yeah, how do the yeah. programs work? Yeah, so in, in Ireland, we have the Irish Arts Council, which is a government funded body. And its sole purpose is to fund the arts, all of the arts. So theater, dance, uh, traditional arts, opera, song, participatory arts. And then the, the term that fidget feet are under circus street art and spectacle mm. so that would be a term and so 
Yeah, so Fidja Feet, since 2007, we became a strategically funded organization. So every year we get a fund, we have to apply every year. And then that's like core funding. And then the expectation of us as an organization is that we're kind of, you know, strategically important to the arts in Ireland. And we have a board um, and I can hire, you know, one staff member to help me with Fidget Feet. And then we make shows and tour shows all over Ireland. And then there's another thing called um, Culture Ireland. Again, it's another government uh, body that funds Irish companies to tour and perform internationally and also funds uh, international festivals and promoters, producers to come to Ireland to see work, to be able to sell work and they support showcases. So that's incredible. And then there's the other side of it, which would be what we would call local authorities. So each county of Ireland, Fidget Feet's part of Limerick City and County Council, they support us also with a grant that, that you know, we'd be lost without and we might partner together and, um, apply for other funds together and then the festival in Donegal we're funded by the Donegal County Council so it's it's huge the arts officer there has known me since I was 16 and it, they support the festival a lot and every year we we grow with our ideas and the the local authority kind of grows with us so those are all the different avenues and then in Ireland we at the moment they're trying to get the arts community to look more to corporate sponsorship and fundraising so it's not just always reliant on the government funding and that's something that's kind of new but is expected of us to do as well mm. and then our creation center the government so it would be the department has got capital money some money to help organizations that wants to do capital projects i.e build a building or renovate a building or buy equipment so that's a fund that that we got for the creation center um 700,000 euros so the plan is to start that work next year to convert our warehouse space into uh, a warm space that's amazing <laughs> with like a, yeah so i've been very busy for 22 years <laughs> I, I was going to ask how did how did you learn all of that was it was it like along the way you just sort of figured out what you were doing next or was there something was yeah. there a mentor that you worked with or something that you that led you to that? Well, the company Scarabaeus Theatre, you know, I started with them really young and then I worked for numerous other companies in the UK. And so I just learned from them. And then I think I'm just one of the lucky ones that I, I, I did bookkeeping, like business classes in secondary school. Like, I love it. Like, so I'm kind of half an artist, half a, a businesswoman. So my mind just naturally works in that way. So, and I'm very driven. So I just learned it all intuitively and just asked for as much help along the way and never took no for an answer. Always find another way to make the person say yes and just kept knocking on the doors. <laughs> and now I can call myself, you know, like I'm a culture leader, but I didn't, I wouldn't have had that terminology a few years ago. Whereas now it's like, yeah, I'm like Ireland's culture leader for aerial dance. Boom. <laughs> That's so awesome. I love it. <laughs> it's really inspiring. Stay tuned. We'll be right back. Can you 
talk a little bit more about like your festival specifically, but also the the festivals sort of as a whole? Because it's something that I was unfamiliar with before Rowan approached me with this idea. And, and I've been doing aerial for over 10 years and it just never even permeated what I was focusing on. So I'm really curious about the structure and the participation, the organization, mm-hmm. pretty much everything. Yeah, so, so like, yeah, so earlier on, you know, because we lived in the UK for a while and we had to wait until circus became a recognized art form in Ireland with the Arts Council before we could move home. So while I was in the UK, circus was a little bit more known. And so, you know, and I was getting funding, the company was getting funding there and I was learning from other companies. But I always wanted to be the first Irish aerial dance company. So we waited till we moved home. And, and like I said, when I moved home, I was constantly hiring UK-based artists to come over and choreographers. And none of the community or the arts uh, funding world really knew who they were. And then because I was home, I really, really wanted to, ha- to be able to hire Irish-born or Irish-based aerial artists. So it was really clear that the festival was a way of bringing really highly skilled teachers to Ireland and see who is interested in the art form. Um, so it started very small, you know, it was only like 30 or 40 people for one week in, in Donegal 11 years ago. And then from that, now it's grown every year. This year, we probably would have had like maybe 200 people traveling to Donegal, like Irish and international and 20, 25 teachers um, with three buildings. Um, so it's, it's kind of, it's, it's huge and it's now, it's kind of like as big as what it can get. So everybody can go and they can like book a week pass. And then with that week pass, they do technique classes and creative classes. And then we program shows so they get to see shows. And then because it's Ireland, we work hard and play hard. So there's lots <laughs> of parties and going to the pub. And I think what's unique about the Irish festival is that because even the Irish people, there's not many people in Donegal that does aerial. So even the Irish people, when they come to the festival, everybody has to stay in the same accommodation. And that brings a sense of community because everyone's together. Everyone's eating together, you know, everyone's sleeping under the same kind of roof. And then everyone's walking and doing class together. And as Irish people were kind of friendly and I'm very this is about a community like no hierarchicalness you know let's share like there's room for all of us so that kind of energy just seeps through everything so the festival you know someone called the Irish Aerial Dance Festival it's like Disneyland for aerialists you know you can just pick and do whatever and and it kind of that feeling of when you're in your own country or in your own town or in your own studio and you're working your ass off and you think, where am I going and what am I doing? But there's something about a festival when you bring everyone together, everybody inspires each other and, and it opens it up from just being your studio. It opens up to this whole global community um, that lasts through the year. So even when you're not in the festival, people constantly connect with people or people travel and it's kind of that sense of a, an opening. And then also my friend Lindsay runs a festival in the UK So we might share teachers and I teach at her festival. She teaches at my festival and then we learn things together and we help each other out. Um, And then there's another festival in France with Fred Deb. Um, She started, we started, all three of us started around the same time. So again, you know, the idea originally was that someone could come to Europe and basically hop from 
Ireland to France to to the UK and do like the three festivals back to back and and all of that came because Lindsay went to Nancy's festival in Colorado as well so you know when we went to Colorado we were so inspired about what Nancy did and really felt that the global community could grow and it was great what she did and continues to do so that was our inspiration for the festivals. It's wonderful. I'm now kind of putting my attention more into um, showcasing so it's like giving Irish artists the platform to perform their work. So this year had the had the virus not um, stopped all of us in our tracks. I had like um, numerous uh, international and national promoters and producers coming up to Donegal for a showcase weekend and Fidget Beat was performing. Another artist was performing because I feel that Everybody says when they perform at the Aerial Dance Festival, it's to the nicest, most open, beautiful audience because it's all other aerialists. Mm. Um, so it's a real sharing of work. We have classes where people can um, come and just work on their solos or their duets and be mentored. But now because the Irish community's grown, now I have people that I've mentored or that's passed through Fidget Feet or passed through the festival that are making their own work and being funded to make their own work so then the festival becomes a platform for them to show a full-length piece or or a 30-minute piece mm. you know so I can do double bills and then I like to invite some international people and maybe some of the teachers that are making work back in their own country and when it's ready then the festival can be a platform for for performing so that's like it kind of feels like for 10 years we've established the classes in the community and now these next 10 years I really want to establish us as a showcase festival and find because that costs more to pay the artists a fee pay their travel and accommodation and then all the technical needs Mm -hmm. so it's it's a little bit more costly but it's kind of where I really see the festival can grow and I really um, want to invest that time and I feel yeah that artists really appreciate having that space to share their work and because I have the center as well, we offer residencies in Ireland and we give money mm. to people that we offer the residencies to. So they get free space, some money. And over time, like one of the artists that I've known for four or five years now, who's been coming to the festival and teaching a little bit. And I've been, you know, whispering in her ear, you should make a one woman show. You should make a one woman show. You should make a one woman show. Have you thought about a one woman show with Suzanne? <laughs> So she now is, is actually, yeah, she's just did two weeks research and uh, four, no, she was with us for three or four weeks this year and she's going to premiere her piece uh, next year for us at the festival and I'm mentoring her and helping her to find funding and we're collaborating with a Spanish residency place. So, you know, it's kind of my dream is coming true in that sense of like growing a community and finding fidget feet artists to work with me and also empowering other artists to make their own work. So that's kind of what the festival and the center has been able to do. And then what it does then, it raises the profile of aerial dance. So other sectors, other art sectors and funders start to go, oh, wow, it's really growing. And I'm like, yeah, it's growing. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Yeah, hearing you talk, I'm like, I want to go. (laughs) <laughs> I know when I went to Nancy's festival in, in Boulder like I had gotten a travel and training award um, to be able to go there and it, and it was a real eye-opener because a lot of the you know American uh, participants were like what you've got funding to be here and I'm like yeah you know and and it's how it should be for everybody the arts is uh 
it's a it's a it's a human necessity you know it's interesting during this time of crisis and virus we're not seen as essential workers but at the same time who's best to really reflect on what's happening in, in the world and then creatively put that on stage and talk about it in in a way um so the arts is in, essential and it is important but um it's not financially um sustainable without support and without funding so you know america just needs to get their shit together and fund you artists <laughs> understand <laughs> our, yeah uh, yeah the, the the company that i the very tiny company that i run here in the states uh one of the reasons that we formed as a nonprofit is that we recognize that we make absolutely nothing that anybody considers financially viable like there is yeah no like we do not fit into that mold and then trying to find outlets and community like what you're describing that is focused on supporting that development of, of people's you know skills but also voices as as yeah. artists when i moved home to ireland from the uk it, it was a lot easier for me because i ran the festival in donegal which is my home county it was where i was born so you know when you're known then people are it's more likely that you can get funding and stuff so to mm -hmm to start in a familiar friendly environment to, to build up your company and get that you know that financial support and an audience support until you grow and then you know once you grow then you can take more chances building the community mm -hmm. yeah i'm just curious i just want to get kind of back to the history a little bit um you said when you started it was kind of the beginning of aerial dance do you are you aware of any of the beginnings of Ariel like before you started or when you were starting like the, did they teach you any of the history uh no no it would only be like when I went to Colorado you know they clearly had their aerial dance history you know which was coming from um the the dance choreographer from the Bay Area Terry Sangrath I think that's how you say mm -hmm. her name who would have done the low flying trapeze. So mm -hmm. they really identified as that as their dance history. Mm -hmm. So like, uh, so then I was interested of like, well, what's the, the European angle of where aerial dance might've started. Mm -hmm. And Tina Carter has done a PhD and she started to research a little bit on that. Um, she hasn't written a book about that yet, but I, she's thinking about it or whatever, okay. you know. So I think in a way it's kind of, interesting because most of us are busy doing it and it's only really in the last short time that there's people doing phds and and you know like fidget feet we're partnered with the university so it's when when artists then start to write or be part of that journey of researching and writing that then you know the history might come out a little bit more and like I said, with vertical dance, it's really a lot of the work that Kate Lawrence and Vanda, Mo Vanda Morietti on vertical dance. They really, you know, they've really taken the time and they've really researched and then they've written down, you know, in their opinion, this is the history of vertical dance. And um, I don't know of that many books or people that have really sat down and established and said, this is Europe's vertical dance history or this is well, in America they have, but you know, it's, it is that thing as artists, it's hard to really take the time to do that. So I know when Fidget Feet turned 20, 
I met with a dance person, you know, and I was telling her everything about what I've done. And she's like, oh my God, you need to write this down. If you don't write this down, then, you know, it's going to get lost. Like you are the history of aerial dance in Ireland. You are the person that brought aerial dance to Ireland. So you need to write it. Whereas, you know, as artists normally it's like, well, I'm too busy fucking making it and doing it. I'm going <laughs> yes. to write it. But, uh, but it was it was it was really good for her to say that so we didn't get the funding to write the book but we just we did it we did it anyway we did a smaller version of it um, and like it's not published or anything we just sold it at the aerial dance festival or whatever but um yeah like I am pondering the idea of of uh of writing a book wouldn't necessarily be vertical dance history but more something in that line so I think yeah there's definitely a lack of books and writings on aerial dance for sure yeah and that's what where this whole podcast started was because I was super interested in where this all came from and yeah. then I you know started I was trying to research it and I couldn't find anything and then I asked Jane about it and you know I get that as you said like as artists you're busy doing it not recording it mm-hmm. yeah and that makes a lot of sense um so that's why we decided to to do this podcast to try to have a way of recording that history great yeah in in a manner you confirmed one of my one of my working theories which is that it from the academic side because that's usually where the histories get created is someone decides to take it on and it takes a decade or so to you know take that long to put together and then nobody has focused on that yet it just hasn't done that but it's really yeah. exciting to hear that there are people like yourself and others who are yeah. starting to to sort of go in that direction. Yeah, and it's re- it's been amazing for Fidget Feet to be resident company at the Irish World Academy of Music and Dance, which is part of the University of Limerick, you know, and um, Shane Houlihan is someone that, you know, found Fidget Feet and I gently did my little whispering of like, oh, have you thought about this? Have you thought about that? And so he's done a PhD in relation to like education and, and circus. And then another Jennifer Debrew, who works with Fidget Feet a lot, you know, she got sucked in to the Fidget Feet way. So she changed her PhD midway from it being more about classical dance now to aerial dance. Hmm. So she's been the last parts of her. So, you know, and, and, and I pondered on the idea, oh, maybe I'll do a PhD. And I'm like, fuck, I don't have time for a PhD. Like, so, it's a stupid idea. Maybe when I'm like retired at 55 or 60 or something, you know, I don't know. But but it is, it, 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 it's the best voices I feel is the artist voices because we're living it now, you know, and, and, and we have a real understanding of it. And so it, it's exciting to get the artist voices to talk about their thoughts on the, on the aerial dance history. But then it's like, when are the artists really got the time and, and the support? But I think uh, like with us being attached to the university, we're working with the university and have been for a really long time. We teach aerial dance as part of some of their courses. So we really have been working with them to add like aerial dance to their M- one of their MAs. Mm. So, you know, I think that happens as well. Then that raises the understanding and the academic acceptance of it. So then there'll be more, you know, essays and more students and stuff. Um, so, you know, it's, it's like, I think it's still very, very young. Like, so for me, it's, it's like aerial dance for me is 22 years old. Cause that was when I graduated from dance school and started exploring 
this thing of mixing what I love doing as a dancer and what I was learning to do as, as a circus artist. So it's a very, very, very young art form still. And so, yeah, I think in 20 years time, I think a podcast like this would have very different conversations because there'll probably be mm-hmm. a lot more like books and history and, and thoughts yeah. and, and things like that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. This may not end up in the podcast, but because uh, this was not an intention that I came in with at all. But um, I uh, I work for one of the places I work is for the uh, California State University system, and they do a program called Summer Arts that has an international yeah. arm. Um, and I would love to follow up with you on the potential of collaborating on something in the future. Um, oh yeah they fund uh, American students well actually any student who finds the program they fund American students predominantly uh, to go and study the arts in in different uh, places that's so cool because when I was a dance student at London School of Contemporary so we're going to go full circle now but (laughs) when I was a student at the London School of Contemporary Dance doing contact dance all these (laughs) ass cool like Californian Americans came to the place and they were amazing contact dancers because it was just part of their training and it was so good as a as an artist in London like we already had a lot of European um like uh people you know so coming from Ireland and going to school like this was so good for me but then we got all these amazing contact dance Americans that was over for like I think it was a program like this that kind of came into our degree course or whatever. So we got, you know, in that way of exchanging, like that physical way of exchanging, dancing with them would have like pushed my experience as a con- contact dancer really, really high. So I think it's really important, like when this virus fucks off, that um, <laughs> that we that, that can continue, you know, that sense of like, Irish and international people, you know, coming together and, and just exchanging uh, in that way. So that would be really, that'd be really cool. Yeah, I'd be interested in that. I will, I will definitely start that conversation. Do you have anything that you're working on now that you want to promote? Well, you know, like everyone, we're just waiting. Yeah. But um, <laughs> hopefully the Aerial Dance Festival will happen next year. Like it will happen, but depending on travel, how it will look. So mm-hmm. that's, you know, every year. And then another program we run at the Irish Aerial Creation Center every year is called a Creative Intensive. And in the past, we've gotten a lot of American people coming over too. It's a three-week intensive where we mentor people who want to work on their, their individual acts, but it's not like a corporate way. It really is delving deep into healing and emotional work. And like, it's, it's kind of like, the Aerial Dance Festival is like Disneyland for aerialists. And then the Creative Intensive is like this like really wholesome, small, intimate, like three weeks where you really get looked after and cry a lot <laughs> for, the, for the good. That's, that's another program. Then, yeah, like we're, we're just making a new show at the moment called A Handful of Dreams, which uh, is really a reflection of what's happened. So it's like we're gathering Uh, ideas from children as to you know what is their dreams for the world what's their little handful of dreams for the world what is the future that that they're looking for you know things like oh when I grow up I hope there's clean air to breathe or you know those kind of things and then we're mixing Irish dancing Irish music and uh, Irish poet Yates in a mishmash with Ariel and it's a it's an outdoor aerial show and we just had so much fun the last we we did two weeks research and development when everyone was still 
just coming out of lockdown and it was just amazing to have my aerialists with me laughing crying hugging kissing each other because we became a pod so mm-hmm. that's the show at the moment that I'm really excited about and uh, and we made an aerial dance film too which is called Limerick on Dream that's on our website so that's kind of where we're at in the next three weeks I'm just applying to loads of applications uh, to be able to make the work next year and hopefully when we're allowed to perform to live audiences we can but I think it'll be a lot of staying local probably for another good year or more before we're able to go internationally again so we'll see there's a lot of that we'll see yes yeah (laughs) thanks so much for having me on the chatting and yeah Thank Sorry, you so I much. hope the internet's okay. Yeah, no, it's been it's been hanging in. Yeah, and, and cool. thank you so much for all of this background and your thoughts and your passions. I I am incredibly inspired. Yeah, thank you so much, guys. Thank you. Bye. Bye. Thanks so much for tuning in to this episode of Aerial Evolution. In our next episode, we're looking forward to digging into a conversation with Nancy Smith, the artistic director and founder of Frequent Flyers located in Boulder, Colorado, and the founder of the Colorado Aerial Dance Festival. And we would love to hear from you. If you have questions, comments, thoughts about this episode or future episodes, come and find us on Instagram or Facebook at Aerial Evolution Pod. And both of these links will be in the show notes as well. Stay tuned for future episodes with other amazing aerialists releasing every two weeks. Until next time.